Wow, let Jesus be the focal point of our lives. Let it be Jesus. Uh, we are going to continue on talking about our 2018 spiritual challenge. And we've talked about the importance of having relationships that are close, accountability relationships. We've talked about study of the Word of God and the importance of that. That's where God speaks to us and God communicates with us through uh, the Word and through the power of the Holy Spirit. And then last week we got into the idea of prayer. And people came to me and said, we didn't quite catch how that acrostic went. Uh, we aren't sure what the P-R-A-Y stood for. And uh, some used old acrostics they had heard from other people. And uh, some just had, had kind of mixed things up from what I said. So I want to go very quickly back over that so you know what we're talking about. It's a pattern for prayer. Uh, but I, I thought about the idea of P-R-A-Y, praise, repentance, appreciation, and then I didn't have a good why, so it's your requests, because I, I really think those come in last. If we get caught up with the others first, or if we get caught up with our requests first, we kind of miss out on who we're praying to, and I thought about praise, and I thought, you know, if you just sit down, and, and not every time you pray, but uh, sometimes you're just going to come to the Lord quickly during the day or whatever. You don't have time to go through the whole uh, uh, pattern that we have here. But somewhere along the line in your prayer, you need to take time to recognize who you're praying to. Who is it that meets our needs? You know, I, I thought about here he is, the omnipotent God. That means all-powerful. There's nothing he can't do. He created the universe. He created the stars. He said, place them in their positions. He created the moon, created the, the earth that we live on, created us. And, and if you begin to understand this is who we're talking about, you realize with that kind of power, there's nothing he can't do. And when I have needs and I have issues in my life and maybe I'm struggling with some things, maybe it has to do with the job or maybe it has to do with my relationship in the home or it may have to do with some sorrow that I have. The Bible says he's a God of comfort. You can just stop there and go back to 1 Corinthians and say, wow, God is a God of comfort. And then you realize when you come to him, he has the power. He has the resources to meet our needs. Uh, you know, when you talk about repentance and we talk about the idea that it's admitting my need to myself and then I come and confess and say, you know, Lord, I, I know that's wrong. I was listening to a speaker on the radio today, and he was talking about how we have been given the gift of the conscience. And it doesn't matter whether you're a Christian or not, you begin to understand what's right and wrong. We know that, don't we? Now, the conscience can become seared. That means so it doesn't bother us anymore when we're doing things that God says we shouldn't. But it, it, it's there, and so we understand that, Lord, I'm not where I need to be, and then repentance is saying, I'm going to change. I'm not going to continue to live my life the way I lived it because all the problems I'm struggling with right now are because of the decisions that I made, and, and Lord, I need to repent. But I know with some of these things, I can't change very well on my own. I got some habits. I got some hang-ups. I, I got some things I just don't want to let go of. So there's the issue of repentance, letting go of those things appreciation that was the one a lot of people missed and i came in last on that appreciation just means saying thanks don't you like it when somebody says thank you to you when you do something do you like it when you uh, tell your child to say thank you and they genuinely do it or they say thank you without your asking I i've noticed that sometimes when we have to remind our kids to say thanks they just kind of go thanks really doesn't mean very much 
But when we begin to truly appreciate what God's done, we say thank you. And then your requests. You know what? Your requests, number one, we're going to talk about that a little more this morning as we get into prayer and essentials for prayer. This is a pattern we're talking about right now. But I believe the kind of requests you ask for will change when you begin with praise, appreciation, repentance, and you get down to those requests and you think of them in relationship to this person you're talking to and and how you pray may change. Uh, The selfishness kind of just goes away. The self-centeredness goes away. And we begin to think in terms of what glorifies and honors God. And so uh, that's, a, that's a key. Well, this morning I want to continue on and I want to talk about five key essentials for effective prayer. And uh, so I, I don't have those on the board. I'm going to start putting them back up there pretty soon. But the first one has to do with praying in the name of Jesus. Uh, Jesus made that statement to his disciples. He says, now... Until now, you've asked nothing in my name. Ask, and you'll receive. And so there's that idea of praying in Jesus' name. And if you hear me pray, you're going to find that uh, time and time again, I will close the prayer with in Jesus' name or in the name of your son or uh, something very similar to that. And it is not not a magical formula. It's not an abracadabra type of thing. It talks about my relationship with the Father through Jesus Christ. Jesus said, I can't have a relationship without going to the Father, without going through Jesus. It's an impossibility. And so when I say in Jesus' name, it is just a reminder of the fact that God touched my life. Salvation came through him. Jesus opened their prayer line. He is my spiritual Wi-Fi, okay? And I have access because of him. And I can't come to the Lord without, or to the Father without Jesus Christ. Listen to Ephesians chapter 3. Ephesians 3, verses 11 and 12, and then down to 14. Ephesians 3, it says, This was in accordance with the eternal purpose which he carried out in Christ Jesus our Lord, in whom we have boldness and confident access through faith in him. So I have access to the Father. I can come boldly to him because of Jesus, because of what he did for me, what took place on the cross. Verse 14, it says, For this reason I bow my knees before the Father. I, I have access through him. If you go back to Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 4, there's another passage back here that really demonstrates the fact that we come through Jesus. He's our high priest. He is the one who makes provision for us to come to the Father. And in Hebrews 4, 14 to 16, it says, Therefore, since we have this high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast to our confession, to our belief, what we believe, what we placed our faith in. For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who has been tempted. He's felt all the temptations, the the intensity of temptation that I have in all things, and yet without sin. You know, you say, well, he wasn't tempted to speed in his car, Andy. He hasn't had the same temptations I had. He, He wasn't tempted by the Internet. No, but he has been tempted in the flesh, lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes. He's been tempted in the issue of the boastful pride of life. 
all of those areas that are common to each and every one of us, those are the aspects of our temptation. And he's been tempted in all of those areas. And yet Jesus never sinned. In his humanity, he never fell. And so it goes on in verse 16. It says, Therefore, let us draw near with confidence to the throne of grace, so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. And so what it's saying is because of what Jesus Christ did for me, I can come with assurance before the Father and know that he's there. And so when I come to the Father, I need to be reminded that I'm coming through Jesus, through what Jesus did for me. I, I can't come to him otherwise. Uh, there's another passage I want to look at. It's in John chapter 14. And in John 14, in the 13th and 14th verses, it, it talks about our coming to the Father through him. And in 13 and 14, he says, Whatever you ask in my name, that I will do, so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask anything in my name, I will do it. It's a picture. Number one, we come because of what Jesus did for us, but we also come because we're in union with Jesus Christ. We have his relationship with him. And so when I come, I'm not going to ask the Father for things that wouldn't please Jesus because the relationship that I have, it's, it's, it's part of my, uh, of who I am. I will pray if I understand this according to what God's will is and rather than simply my will, rather than my selfishness. In James it says you have not because you ask not and then it says a lot of times you have not because you ask for the wrong motives. It's all about you. It's all about me. And boy, I find myself praying that way so often. This is what I want, Father. God's not a genie in a bottle. We don't rub the bottle and expect him to come out in a poof of smoke and give us our wish. But we pray according to his will. In uh, 1 John chapter 5, he said, this is a confidence. This is the assurance which we have before him. Now get this that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us in whatever we ask, we know that we have the request we have asked from him. So what does it say my basis is for understanding that God hears and answers? Number one, I come in the name of Jesus or in the person of Jesus. Name represents who he is. And then number two, I come according to his will. So I, I might ask the question, <laughs> would Jesus ask this? You know, we know that statement, what would Jesus do? Well, I think it goes back to this. Would Jesus ask this if he was praying? Would this please him? Eh, if it isn't, then it's probably not where we should be. So number one, we pray in Jesus' name. Number two, we need to be sincere in our prayers. Uh, sincerity is a, a key if I'm talking to someone and I can tell they're, they're not listening, they're not paying attention, uh, it isn't very long before I don't want to talk to them anymore because they're not very sincere with me. Uh, genuine is, is another good word for sincerity. In Matthew chapter 6, uh, 5 through 8, Jesus was speaking. It was that Sermon on the Mount, and he says, when you pray, gives instruction in prayer. He says, when you pray, you're not to be like the hypocrites. Hypocrite is a person who puts on a face. He, he appears to be somebody who's really not inside, okay? Um, 
One day he lives like this, and another day he lives like that. It depends on who he's with. He's hypocritical. When you pray, you're not to be like those people. For they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and on the street corners so that they may be seen by men. Truly I say to you, they have their reward in full. What's he mean by that? Well, it isn't what God's going to do for them. It's that people are looking at them and saying, wow, they're spiritual. They are such good people. You know, we may see people in the church like that and say, wow, they're so upstanding. And yet it's kind of a show. It's, it's not real. We go back to this passage in um, Jesus was, was speaking, and he says, when you pray, go into your inner room. Close your door and pray in your, to your Father who's in secret. And your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. In other words, I'm not putting on a show for everybody else. I'm just getting alone with God. Now, does that mean I don't pray in public? No. But it means there need to be that time in my life when I'm not worried about what other people are listening to and what they're thinking and how they feel about how I pray. But I just get away with God. When you're praying, do not use meaningless repetition as the Gentiles do, for they suppose they're going to be heard for their many words. So do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask it. I, uh, I guess what I would say is when you get away to pray with God, before you begin to pray, engage the mind. Sometimes we just begin to pray... And, and we pray the same thing over and over and over again without thinking about it. Uh, I don't know how many of you have done that in praying for food. Jesus thanked God for the food before he broke the food and gave it to the 5,000. And we read in the Bible that we should thank God for our daily bread. So one thing that we as Christians oftentimes do, most of the time, is that before we begin to eat, we pray. Now, I, I don't know about you, but I found myself getting into a habit a number of years ago and I would say the same words over and over again, and then we'd eat. I, I, I don't know if I really thank God or not, but thank you for this food. Bless it to my nourishment. Bless it to our nourishment. It was the same thing, night, day after day. And one day I stopped, and we'd been talking in a Bible study, I think, and I began to realize my prayer is meaningless. It's not coming from the heart. It's not coming from my mind. It's just those same words, and we learn rote, repetitious prayers. And it may be one that we make up or somebody else makes it up, but we need to engage the mind before we start to pray. Uh, it's kind of like a car. If you have a car that's sitting out there in the driveway and you get in that car, looks pretty good, but it's not going anywhere, is it? So you turn on the key. Boy, the motor sounds good. Ooh, you even rev it up a little bit. Looks good. Looks, sounds good but you're still not going anywhere. Until you put that car in gear, it's not going to move. You're not going to go where you need to go. The same thing's true for you Christians. Uh, if we really want to serve the Lord, we need to be sincere in our relationship with Him. Until we begin to move, we aren't going anywhere. You can come to church and you can look great. People say, wow, they're here every Sunday. And, and, and they pray in public and they... Read the Bible and, and do all of those things. But you see, until we engage our lives, we really haven't accomplished anything. And the same thing's true in our prayers. When we sit down to pray, 
we need to stop and think about what we're praying about. Are we sincere in what we're bringing to God? Have we thought through it? Do we understand what we're saying? Or is it something that we just let go of? You know, I thought about how I can pray an insincere prayer, and one of them is confession of sin. Uh, I found that I can come to God and say, Wow, Father, I sinned today. <laughs> I'm sorry. And I might plan on going to doing the same thing tomorrow. I really don't plan on repenting. I, I just am confessing. Forgive me, Father. And I'm not sincere. Sincerity brings about change. It, it changes who I am. Because I'm really praying to God uh, from the heart and from the mind. And, and I'm thinking about what I'm saying here. I, I think another one is, is repetitious prayers. And I already mentioned that idea of praying uh, at dinner. That was one for me. I, I think another one is when we pray before we go to bed. We teach our kids prayers. There's nothing wrong with teaching your child a rote prayer. They begin to learn the pattern that they need to pray. But sometimes we just keep saying those, and they keep saying those, and go, wow, I'm good because I prayed, but it really didn't do anything. Mother came in, and she saw her little girl, and she hadn't gotten in there to to, to the little girl. The little girl was in bed, and and she came in and she said, sweetie, did you say your prayers tonight? And the little girl said, yeah, mom, but, but I said a different prayer than the one we always say. What's, what's one prayer we teach our kids at night? Anybody know? Now I lay me down to sleep, to sleep. I pray the Lord my soul to keep. If I should die before I wake, I pray the Lord my soul to take. I, I began to think about that. That's, that's kind of weird to tell your child, don't you think? Three, four years of old, you may die before you wake up. Uh, we may, but that's not the idea. Uh, we used to say, one, uh, now I lay me down to sleep, bag of candy at my feet. If I die before I wake, it'll be of a belly ache. You know, you got these prayers that you say. Meaningless little prayers. Rub-a-dub-dub, thanks for the grub, yay God. That was a camp prayer. Really rather sacrilegious. <laughs> So I would suggest you teach your kids that one. But, but this mother walked in, the little girl was there, and she said, you know, Mom, I think Dad's probably bored with that same old prayer all the time. So I told him the story of the three bears instead. Now, God may not have needed to hear the story of the three bears, but the, the, the little girl was wise in that she realized saying the same thing over and over and over again didn't make much sense. Another one we have is, is the Lord's Prayer. And, you know, when the disciples came to Jesus at one time, they said, teach us to pray like John teaches his disciples to pray. Would you teach us how to pray? And when he gave them the Lord's Prayer, it was, some people call it the disciples' prayer, it was a pattern for prayer. We have made it a prayer of rote memory, and as long as we say the prayer, well, we've done our responsibility. But really what it is, it's a pattern of how we're to pray. And I, one person wrote this up, and it's a conversation between God and the man who was praying. Maybe you'll relate. The man came, he sat down, and he began to pray. He says, Our Father who art in heaven. And all of a sudden he heard, 
Yes. Don't interrupt me. I'm praying. But you called me. Called you. No, I didn't call you. I'm praying. Our Father who art in heaven. There. You did it again. Did what? Called me. You said, our Father who art in heaven. Well, here I am. What's on your mind? I didn't mean anything by it. <laughs> I, was, I was, you know, just saying my prayers for the day. I always say the Lord's Prayer. It makes me feel good. Kind of like fulfilling a duty. Well, all right. Go on. Okay. Hallowed be thy name. Hold, hold it right there. What do you mean by that? Well, by what? By hallowed be thy name. It means, uh, it means, good grief. I, I don't know what it means. How in the world should I know? It's part of the prayer. By the way, what does it mean? It means honored, holy, wonderful. Hey, that makes sense. I, I never thought about it. That way, I, I didn't think about what hallowed meant. Thanks. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Do you really mean that? Sure. Why not? What are you doing about it? Doing? Why, why nothing, I guess. I, I just think it'd be kind of neat if you got control of everything down here like you have up there. We're, we're kind of in a mess down here right now, you know. Yes, I know. But have I got control of you? Well, I go to church. That isn't what I ask you. What, what about your bad temper? You've really got a problem there, you know. And, and, and then there's the way you spend your money. It's, it's all on yourself. And what about the kind of books you read? Now, hold on just a minute. Stop picking on me, I. I'm just as good as some of the rest of the people at church. Excuse me? I thought you were praying for my will to be done. If that is to happen, it will have to start with the ones who are praying for it, like you, for example. Oh, all right. I guess I do have some hang-ups now that you mention it. I, I could probably name some others. <laughs> God, so could I. I haven't thought about it very much until now, but I really would like to cut out some of those things. I would like to, you know, be really free. Good. Now we're getting somewhere. We'll, we'll work together, you and me. I'm proud of you. Look, Lord, if you don't mind, I need to finish up here. This has taken a lot longer than it usually does. God. Give us this day our daily bread. You need to cut out the bread. You're overweight as it is. Hey, hey, wait a minute. What is this? Here I was doing my religious duty, and all of a sudden you break in and you remind me of all my hang-ups. God, praying's a dangerous thing. You just might get what you ask for. Remember, you called me. And here I am, and it's too late to stop now. Keep praying. Well, go on. Man, I'm scared to. God, scared of what? I know what you'll say. 
God, try me. Man again, forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. God, what about Anne? See, I knew it. I knew you would bring her up. Why, Lord, she's told lies about me. She spread stories. She never paid back the money she owes me. I've sworn to get even with her. But your prayer. What about your prayer? I didn't mean it. Well, at least you're honest. But it's quite a load carrying around all that bitterness and resentment, isn't it? Yes, but I'd feel better as soon as I get even with her. Boy, I've got plans for her. She'll wish she had never been born. No, you won't feel any better. You'll feel worse. Revenge isn't sweet. You know how unhappy you are? (laughs) Well, I can change that. You can? How? Forgive Anne. Then I'll forgive you. And the hate and the sin will be Anne's problems, not yours. You'll have settled the problem as far as you are concerned. Oh, you know, you're right. You always are. And more than I want revenge, I want to be right with you. All right, all right. I forgive her. There now, wonderful. How do you feel? Hmm. Well, not bad. Not bad at all. In fact, I feel pretty good. You know, I I don't think I'll go to bed uptight tonight. I haven't been getting much rest, you know. Yeah, I know. But you're not through with your prayer, are you? Go on. Oh, all right. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Good, good, I'll do that. Just don't put yourself in a place where you're going to be tempted. What do you mean by that? (laughs) You know what I mean. Yeah, I know. Okay. Go ahead, finish your prayer. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Do you know what would bring me glory? What would really make me happy? This is, and now the man. No, but I'd like to know. I want to please you now. I've really made a mess of things, God. I want to truly follow you. I, I can see how great that would be. So tell me, how do I make you happy? God, you just did. You see, sincerity is so important in our prayers. And sometimes we take prayers and we just rip through them without stopping to think. The Lord's Prayer is a good example. We say it in groups. We say it in church. We say it in different places. And it's a wonderful prayer. It's an amazing prayer. There's nothing wrong with rote prayers as long as we are aware of what they mean and we pray them from the heart. But that's where our prayers need to be. So it's the idea of putting your mind in gear and praying with sincerity. The third point is is prayer of faith. Matthew 21, verse 22. Matthew 21, 22. 
It says, in all things you ask in prayer, believing, and you will receive. I guess faith is kind of the idea that you, do you really believe that God will do what he says he'll do? If God says he's going to do it, and he's made that promise, do you believe it? Do you accept that? The great passage on faith is found back in uh, Hebrews chapter 11, and uh, Different individuals, Abraham and uh, different people from the Old Testament had acted in faith. They had done the things God asked him to do by faith. And in the first verse it says, faith is the assurance of things hoped for. Those things that we believe God says he'll do and it's a conviction of things not seen. As you go over to verse 6, it says, you know what? Without faith. Without believing God can and even will do the things he says, it's impossible to please God. He who comes to God must believe that he is, that he exists, and that he is the rewarder of those who seek him. Faith is, is putting our trust in God. It, it's believing God will do what he says. J. Edwin Orr did a study on uh, revivals around the world. And he said of all the revivals that have ever taken place that he read about, he said there was one aspect that was true of each and every one of them. He said that aspect was that the people who were involved in putting on the revival prayed diligently for it. He said as a pastor, he'd like to think that revival comes because of the music or great preaching or gathering together or fellowship activities. But he said the reality is that the revival change in people's lives becomes because we pray for them. In Belfast, Belfast, Ireland, there was a revival in 1930. And it was a church of well, a little bigger than this one, about 200 people. And, and they had a revival series of services on the evenings. And they would come together at 6 o'clock, probably about 50 people, 6 o'clock every morning before the service that evening. And they would pray, and they'd pray short prayers. It wasn't long prayers. It was... Lord, I pray that you'd touch my, my cousin. He's going to come tonight. Lord, that lady down the street that has a black eye, I'm going to ask her to come, but, but would you touch her life? Somebody else. And Lord, I'm going to ask her husband. And would you touch him too? He said there were, 10, there were 12 to 20 people every night in that service that received Jesus Christ. But it all stemmed back to prayer. It all stemmed back to coming before the Lord and bringing our petitions to him and asking him to make a difference. How many of you saw the movie War Room? What was the key to that movie? Prayer. She had a prayer room. That was her war room. And she'd go pray. You see, that's, that's what this passage is talking about. It's the fact that as Christians... We need to be willing to come before the Lord and, and make it a priority to pray. Uh, and, and yet as a church, I, I would have to tell you that's probably the hardest thing to get people to do. We'll come to meetings where there's going to be preaching and teaching and study. We'll come to meetings where we're going to have fellowship and we're going to get together for food. That's a good one. Uh, but to just come and pray. That's the hard one. And yet I believe that prayer 
is the most powerful resource you and I have. It's coming to God and bringing our requests and our needs to him and saying, here we are. Ephesians chapter 6, it talks about the armor of God and how to put on the armor of God. And then at the end of that, it talks about putting on the, the full armor of God so that you can stand firm against the schemes of the devil for our struggles against, not against flesh and blood, but against rulers, against powers, against world forces of this darkness. And then he ends down here in verse 18, and he says, with all prayer and petition, pray at all times in the Spirit. And with this in view, be on the alert with all perseverance and petition for all of the saints. Prayer. Prayer is a key. That old song, and, and I quoted it before, I went on and I listened to it yesterday on YouTube. Prayer is the key to heaven, but faith unlocks the door. A prayer said in faith, coming before God makes all the difference in the world. Prayer is so important for us. And and then the final thing I want you to get just quickly this morning is we are to pray with a sincere heart. Back in Psalm 66, David made a statement. I believe it was David that wrote this psalm. But in Psalm 66... Verse 18. It says, But if I regard wickedness in my heart, if there is that ongoing sin in my life, God will not hear. That means that when I come to God, I need to do that second part of the PRA, why I need to repent. I need to confess and admit my sin and put away those sinful activities that are ongoing in my life. They can't be there. They've got to be removed. There was a study that was done by Discipleship Journal a number of years ago, and it was based on the readers ranking the greatest spiritual challenge to them. What was the area they struggled with the most? Where were their greatest temptations? Number one was materialism, stuff. Okay, wanting stuff. Number two was pride. Number three, self-centeredness. Number four, laziness. For number five, there was a tie. It was between anger and bitterness and sexual lust. Number seven was envy. Number eight, don't like this one, gluttony. Number nine, lying. Survey respondents noted temptations were more potent when they were neglected when they had neglected their time with God, 81% said, if I'm not spending time with God in prayer, then I'm going to have probably a greater temptation to do those things that are a problem for me. Number two issue was when they were physical t- physically tired. When we're tired, 57% said, it's a hard time for me of resisting temptation. But then they went on and said, resisting temptation was accomplished by prayer. said they could stand up to temptation when they had been spending time in prayer. Number two was avoiding compromising situations. Just don't go there. 76% said that. Avoid those areas where you're tempted. Bible study, 66%. And being accountable to someone else was 52%. But what I want you to understand is that prayer makes a difference 
in who we are. Prayer is the most powerful resource you have today. We need to read the word of God, take in what God tells us, and then we need to come and access his power and his authority in prayer. And when we do that, we fail to receive the blessings that God has for us. We're to pray in Jesus' name. We're to be sincere in our prayers. We're to pray with faith. We're to pray with a pure heart. And then Philippians 4, 6, and 7 says, Be anxious for nothing, but in everything, all inclusive through prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. And it says, The peace of God will guard your hearts and your kinds, hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. You know that what that tells me? It tells me no matter how big the issue is or how small the issue is, everything, I can come to God in prayer. And here's this great big God. I've had people say that, wow, God's so busy with everything else. He's got to deal with the Senate, and he's got to deal with Trump, and he's got to deal with the fact that they don't want to pass a budget, and God doesn't have time for me. And you see, that's a lie. Because God loves you just as you are. And God loves me just as I am. And that's so amazing. And God hears our prayers. And I don't know what you need to come to today. You realize that God is a a just God. God is a comforting God. God is a compassionate God. God is a merciful God. And God is a God that has the resources to meet every need that we have. And so it simply says, we need to pray. We need to pray as individuals. We need to get together and pray. Paco and I come most Sunday nights and we're here to pray. If you want to come and join us, we'll pray with you. Uh, I did something a couple of years, a year or so ago. And I have to ask your forgiveness um, because I told people they should be here to pray with us. And that night we had 20 plus people. The women went over there. The men came over here. We prayed. Guess what? Next week we were back down to the two or three. I guilted you into coming. You should never come because I guilt you. And so I apologize if I put you on a guilt trip. But I hope today as you go home you'll take this message You'll look through the principles that we've got there and you'll take time maybe just to get that place in your house where you can go for a few minutes without anyone interrupting you and just spend some time with God. He wants you to come. He's your father. My dad wanted to hear from me when I was in college, when I was in the service. He'd send me letters and he'd say, Dear Dad, Mom, and at the end it'd say, Love, Andy, and I had to fill in the middle because I didn't send them very often. And God says, hey, I want to hear from you. I love you. I care about you. I want to meet your needs. I want you to know how much I love you. Would you just come and talk to me? And that's what God desires of us. And so I'm going to encourage you today, think about your prayer time and the time you spend with God and realize that God's there for you and God loves you so much. You're so special to him. You wouldn't be here this morning if you weren't special to God. And he just wants to hear from you. He just wants you to come and pray. And yet it's hard, isn't it? 
just to set that time aside. It, it's so difficult. I'll guarantee you if you start your morning in the word and in prayer, your day in terms of temptation and those things that come in your way will be less frequent and they will not be as intense. And I found that in my life because when I don't pray, that's when I have problems. So it's been true for me. And that's all I can tell you today has been true for me. Think about how to pray. Let's, let's pray, shall we? Father, we're going to just spend some time now in the next few weeks talking about who you are and your name and what that means and the fact that you are you're our protector. You're our banner. You're our provider. You're God Almighty. We're going to look at some of those, Father, and just what that means to us. So I pray that you'd open our hearts, that we would, we would know you a little bit better, Father, that we would grow in our relationship with you. But Father, right now, I pray for this congregation that uh, they would just find a time to put aside to talk to you and to spend time with you, Father, because it is so valuable. It is, it is such a positive asset. It is the greatest power we have before us. When we have the God who created the universe and he says, I want to I meet you. I want to meet your needs. I want to care for you. Wow, what an amazing thing. I don't understand it. I'll admit it this morning. I don't understand why you love me, but you do. And you promise that. And, and so, Father, realizing that, help us to take time to come to you. Genuinely, sincerely opening our hearts to you. Thank you, Father, for what you're going to do in our lives as a result of our time with you in prayer, Father. Now I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.